If you've got your Bibles with you, you can turn to Matthew 24. And we're going to hit some stuff today. Who wants to get some things off of their life today? Who wants to receive a bit more freedom? Okay. Well, we're going to be doing something that's going to be really exciting. In my Bible, I've got a New King James, and there's a bit of a heading. That's why um, the bit underneath Matthew there is, is underlined, because it says the signs of the times and the end of the age. So this is Matthew 24, 3 to 14. Now, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. We know deception is rife in this day and age. So Jesus, even then, was saying, Make sure no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumours of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines, pestilences and earthquakes in various places. And all these are the beginning of sorrows. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you. That's exciting, isn't it? Isn't that good and encouraging on a Sunday morning? Hallelujah. Jesus just sharing some of his last words with his disciples. They'll deliver you up to tribulation, kill you and you'll be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise uh, up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. Can we say amen to that one? (laughs) And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations. And then the end will come. The end is coming. Say it. The end is coming. And we can help usher that in. So today I want to talk about offence, the bait of Satan. Offence, the bait of Satan. Are we going to deal with that now? Listen, it's not this kind of offence. Okay, don't. Okay, you're all right with that? Is that all right, John? But I'll tell you what, it is something used by the enemy that can trip us up. Okay? So I want to deal with this. So Jesus said this, that one of the signs of the last days would be many would be offended. Say many. Many. That's quite a lot, isn't it? That's not a few. That's many will be offended. What will happen is that offence strengthens in their lives. They'll betray one another. It will lead to betrayal and that, as that's allowed to continue, will lead to hatred. And, the, and, and Jesus went on to say, the love of many will grow cold. These are the end times. That's, that's not going to be us. I'm preaching to the, uh, the choir today. But there are going to be some things because offence is very real and it affects every single one of us. There's not one of you, I don't think, in here that will have been offended if you're alive. So the word... It won't have been offended, Yeah. Now, the word offend there, offended, is scandalizo, and it means to entrap, to trip up, to stumble or entice to sin, and it's a trap. Now, it comes from the word scandalon, 
which is a trap stick, a bent sapling, a snare, a stumbling block. So can you see that sapling there that's been pulled over and there's a noose at the end where the animal, often a rabbit or a small animal, will go and maybe on their little run, run, catch the head in that noose, it will pull and then the whole thing's up. The enemy uses a fence to trap us and ensnare us. Now, it also means to cause a person to begin to distrust and desert one whom he ought to trust and obey. A fence drives a wedge between relationships and in a church context between members and leaders. Because a fence causes a person to begin to distrust and desert those that they ought to be trusting and obeying. Now, we know that there's incredible things that have been happening across the world, particularly in America, where a people who are upset, who have offended, who are offended, have gone out, they've got weapons, and then they've gone on a shooting spree. And we're hearing it, aren't we, increasingly, on campuses, in shopping areas, in various different places. Somebody's unhappy, they're either a disgruntled employee, or somebody's been mean to them, somebody's upset them, and they've gone on a killing rampage. So, not dealing with offence really can open a door to the enemy. And here's some of the things that come through that door. Deception. When we become offended, one of the first things that will happen is a spirit of deception will come knocking on the door. And the problem with deception is this, that when you're deceived, you don't know it. Hello? And other people can see it. But if you're not open to others, so if you start mistrusting others that are around you, then you won't take their help, their advice to move out of that situation because you'll be deceived. There's other things that come through as well. Gossip. Now, I know none of you gossip, so we're okay. Judgment comes in. Judgmentalism, criticism. Isolation often is the thing as well. People are isolated. The devil wants to get you out of the pack. Have you ever watched any of these nature programs? And you watch the prowling lions or hyenas, and they try and separate one of the animals, a deer from the pack, a zebra, whatever it might be, try and isolate it so that then, when it's away from the pack, they can have it, that's lunch. That's what the devil does. He isolates people, and then they're easy meat, they're easy prey. So we don't want to do that. Proverbs 17, verse 9 says, He who covers a transgression seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates friends. He who covers a a transgression seeks love. Now, that is not talking about brushing something under the carpet. Okay? We're not talking now about just ignoring things, but we can either start gossiping, talking about things that are not actually true, And we can begin to separate friends or we can cover that, we can pray over that and we don't repeat things and that is a good positive thing. Uh, Proverbs 6 says this, verses 16 to 19, These six things the Lord hates, yes, seven are abomination to him. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, Feet that are swift in running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies, and one who sows discord among brethren. 
They're things that the Lord hates. I like to keep reading Proverbs so I can keep reminding myself. Because we so easily forget things. We don't want to do that. Now, no, no, this isn't gossip. This is the truth. Oh, but how many times have we said this? I just want you to pray about this particular thing. Now, there's times when we do need to share things in the leadership context, sometimes amongst intercessors where we know there's confidences, we're sharing things in order that we can pray, we can be supportive. Also, as well, that as watchmen, we can be on the lookout for the wolf in sheep's clothing. Because the days are getting darker and the enemy is going to try and break up relationships more and more. It's good. We, we know that we're coming up to the time of Halloween, the high point in the Satanists and the occultists' year. And they're going to be sacrificing all sorts of things to Satan to bring great power onto the earth. Children will be sacrificed. Human beings, more human beings disappear at Halloween than any other time of the year. Horrible things are done in those covens to try and create huge demonic power and animals, loads of animals are sacrificed, all kinds of stuff. Halloween is not a cute little party time for children. It's abhorrent. It is horrible. The stuff that goes on is not nice. It's not pleasant. And so we, we know that we need to keep our shields up in this next season especially because the enemy wants to release great power and venom against our marriages our families, our relationships, against our health, particularly against the church. They hate good and they glorify evil. Hello. So, here we go. I like this one. Great minds talk about ideas. Average minds talk about events. And shallow minds talk about people. Which one are you? Oh, that's a bit hard hitting, isn't it, that one? Mm, it's interesting, that, isn't it? Sorry, okay. There we go. Great minds, yeah. Yeah, we like ideas, creative things, Chimma, don't we? We like to, to stimulate ourselves with things that we can do. Right, we've got some great ideas at the moment as well in the ministry, really exciting and driving forwards. There's going to be some new things we're putting into place. And, you know, average minds talk about events because we want to talk about events, don't we? You know, I like events. Birthdays and going to things, that's great. But, you know, shallow minds, when we get just talking about people, so we've got nothing else better to talk about. Okay, have you got it down, Jean? Thank you. Fantastic. Okay, Ephesians 4, 26, 27 in the Amplifier says this. When angry, do not sin. Do not ever let your wrath, your exasperation, your fury or indignation last until the sun goes down. Leave no such room or foothold for the devil. Give no opportunity to him. Now that word opportunity, it's, it, it means like a doorway and a landing strip. Don't, in other words, open a door for the enemy because he will come through it. Hello. You only need a chink in the door. We're not talking about China, that's it. You only need a chink in the door, but he'll go for it. 
He's like that persistent salesman that sticks his foot in the door as you're trying to close it. No, too late. The foot's in the door. Okay, so don't do it. Shut that door. Shut that door. Now, here's an issue, and this is really true here. We often, one of the problems is this, we place too high expectations on others. Did you know that? Now, I've not really been robbed by non-Christians, by and large. You know, and probably for most of us, we would probably say, you know, my non-Christian friends, you know, are nicer to me than Christians are. Because sometimes we've got kind of a low expectation, haven't we? On, on people that are not saved. And then for our Christian friends, we've got a higher level of expectation, haven't we? I know I, know I have done. Christian businessmen I've dealt with and they've robbed me and then lied to me. You know, you've got a higher level. Of course then, husbands and wives, there's a, there's a higher level of expectation. When it comes to church leaders, well, the expectation levels up here. There ain't no way we're ever going to meet that one. Is that right? Expectations too high on others. Of course we do it, don't we? Yeah. I found this little thing here. Don't blame people for disappointing you. Blame yourself for expecting too much from them. Of course, we've all got expectations. Now, Jenny and I are very different, aren't we? I usually have quite low expectations on people that saves me from getting too disappointed. Uh, and I'm not saying that that's good, so I'm not preaching theology to you this morning. I'm just telling you how I am with people. I tend to affect, so that, you know, if my expectation's down there, fairly low, okay, and there people achieve that one, I'm happy, I'm excited. If they come up here, I'm ecstatic. But if we pitch it too high, and people come under here, we're disappointed, aren't we? And often in church life, in a body, there's a lot of expectations on all of us, isn't there? as we're wanting to run together. And, and the higher the expectation, the chances are we're going to be more and more disappointed in each other. And that will lead to offence. So expecting too much is one way of hurting yourself. William Shakespeare says this, expectation is the root of all heartache. Now, I'm not saying he's God, but it's an interesting quotation. There's quite a lot that William Shakespeare said about expectation. But it's a fact, isn't it? We often expect a lot of each other. Expect you to be at every service. Expect you to do this and expect to do that. Husbands and wives expecting each other to be perfect. How come you didn't know this? How many have forgot a birthday or an anniversary or... And it, oh, no hands are going up, so you're okay. So, obviously, perfect relationships here. There's lots of opportunities for offence, isn't there? Now, don't let offence get the better of you. That's all I can say. Don't <laughs> let offence get the better of you. We'll catch him, Matthew. We'll get him. Yeah. Yeah. So... Here's a good scripture, Matthew 6, 14 to 16. I agree. For if you forgive people their trespasses, this is the Amplified, you'll probably guess that, their reckless, willful sins, leaving them, letting them go, and giving up resentment, 
your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, their reckless, willful sins, leaving them, letting them go, and giving up resentment, neither will your Father forgive you your trespasses. Offence and disappointments and resentments will just kill us from the inside. So we don't want to do that, do we? None of us want to do that. I like 1 Peter 4, 8. Above all things, have intense and unfailing love for one another. For love covers a multitude of sins. It forgives and disregards the offences of others. We're going to release forgiveness today. I don't know that there's many that have not been offended at one time or another. And when you're in church leadership, let me tell you, you get it regularly. The amount of times we have had to realise again, we've got to let this thing go, otherwise it'll kill us. So, here's a good thing, practising forgiveness. A good lifestyle thing, practising forgiveness. A person who cannot forgive is a person who has forgotten what they've been forgiven of. We don't want to be able to do that. Because unforgiveness puts two people in jail. It locks the other person up and it certainly does lock you up. When you try and hold something, if you're just trying to get vengeance. Uh, Lewis Smead says this, to forgive is to set a prisoner free and discover that the prisoner was you. Because that thing will eat you up from the inside out. And unforgiveness especially means that God cannot, cannot forgive you. And sometimes it's, it's good to just be reminded of these things so that we can say, okay, Holy Spirit, show me if there's someone, maybe even from school days or whatever it might be, something more recent, might be a family member or whatever, and you've kind of buried it, you've hidden it. But we want to say today, Holy Spirit, show me if there's anybody who uh, there's just it's that little niggle on the inside that if I saw them, I probably wouldn't be able to embrace them or look them straight in the eye. Show me if there's anybody I need to forgive. Mark Twain says this, Anger is an acid that can do more harm to the vessel in which it is stored than to anything on which it is poured. Anger is an acid. You could say offence, you know, resentment, unforgiveness. An acid that can do more harm to the vessel in which it's stored than to anything on which it is. Is poured. So we want to deal with it, won't we? We want to get it out of the way in order that in this new season where we're going, we're going to be free to be able to release forgiveness to others. There's a lot of people out there that need to know that they're forgiven. I like this one. Soft-hearted people are not fools. They know what people did to them, but they forgive again and again because they have beautiful hearts. I wouldn't necessarily say that Jenny and I have beautiful hearts, but I know we've had to learn to forgive again and again. Because sometimes you feel like, I just need to get harder. Why are these things really hurting? Why are these things keeping me awake at night? Sometimes you think, I just can't do it again. I can't trust again or whatever. And you have to come back to the cross and you have to say, I have to do it. I have to stay soft in my heart. I cannot allow a calloused heart to take a hold of the core of my being. I have to keep forgiving. 
Whether people deserve it or not is not the issue. I just have to do it. I have to release those people. And we'll only begin to know healing when we let go of those things, when we let go of the hurts, when we forgive those who've wronged us and just learn to forgive people for their mistakes. Because we all make mistakes. I am not perfect. How many perfect folks have we got here this morning? Oh, well, that, there's a lot of honest people in here. That's good. Because we, we're going to do it, aren't we? We're going to make mistakes. Sometimes we'll forget things that we ought to have remembered and that could upset somebody. Sometimes we'll do something that will upset somebody. Because we're making decisions all the time on a daily basis. And there's things we miss, there's things that we do, there's changes that we make, because we like changes in this ministry as well. And as we change, you're going to say, why are they stopping to do that? And why are they doing that? Because we're sensing new seasons ahead, things that God wants to do. And we want to please Him, not please each other. But we want to take you with us. So in the process, you know, there's ways of dealing with offence. You talk to leaders. Hello. Hello? Talk to leaders. You don't talk to other people and gossip. Is that okay? Is that okay? Is that okay? Oh, I love that. It's good, isn't it? That's the way to do it. Now, Matthew 18. Here's, a, here's an interesting one. Peter came. Now, Peter's the guy who's walked on water. He said, when Jesus said, Who do men say to him? He said, You're the son. You know, that you're the Christ, the son of the living God, and Jesus pats him on the shoulder and he's feeling, wow, I've really got this. So he's feeling a bit buoyed up. So he says to Jesus, he says, hey, how often shall I forgive my brother? Seven times? He's thinking he's magnanimous, you know. How about that? And then Jesus says to him, uh, no, hang on a minute, <laughs> Peter. Actually, 70 times seven. In other words, as often as you're being required to forgive, that's how many times you need to forgive. 70 times 7, that's 490 times. That's quite a few times during the day, isn't it? Particularly if you don't go to sleep. I mean, it's a lot if you do go to sleep. I mean, divide that 490 by however many hours. It's quite a few times an hour. But what he's saying is it's got to be a lifestyle. Forgiveness has got to be a lifestyle. David actually practiced forgiveness. Here's an interesting uh, few verses in Psalm 35. David says, malicious and unrighteous witnesses rise up. They ask me of things that I know not. They reward me evil for good to my personal bereavement. But as for me, when they were sick, my clothing was sackcloth. I afflicted myself with fasting and I prayed with head bowed on my breast. I behaved as if grieving for my friend or my brother. I bowed down in sorrow as one who bewails his mother." You know, there's other times when David says, smash their teeth, you know, these enemies that are coming against him. You know, sort them out. But this time he's saying, you know, there's ones that have risen up against me and do you know what? I've prayed for them. I've really wept for them. So, here's another one. Acts 24, 16. Therefore, I always exercise and discipline myself, mortify my body, deadening my carnal affections, bodily appetites and worldly desires, endeavouring in all respects to have a clear, unshaken, blameless conscience, void of offence toward God and toward men. 
Matthew 5.44, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That's the deal. Now, here's an interesting one. I like this little story. A man and his wife had a quarrel and there was strife and offence between them and the Holy Spirit nudged the man. And notice this now, nudged the man. Hello, men. Hello, men. Hello, men. We're all equal, but men, you're the priests of your house. If there's trouble, you need to make the first move. (laughs) Have you got it? (laughs) Calling all the men. Okay, I'll read it again. Okay, Chris, something for you, buddy. Right. Okay. So the Holy Spirit nudged the man. Have we got it? The man. Say the man. The man. The man. Okay. We know what we we know what we're doing. Okay. Nudge the man to apologise to his wife. That's right. Husbands love your wives as Christ of the church. But he refused and was being stubborn. As they were lying down, the man couldn't sleep. Serve him right. And about 2 a.m., the Holy Spirit spoke to him and said, Look at what you've allowed into your house. And in an open vision, this man saw a large, fierce-looking demon spirit wearing armor. Now, most of us will be aware of the armor in Ephesians 6, spiritual armor. This is the armor of the demon. The man could see each piece of armour and understood its symbolic meaning. The spirit wore a helmet of pride and a breastplate of unrighteousness. He carried a sword of bitterness and a shield of hatred and from his belt hung a hammer of judgment, a cloak of deception and his feet were shod with boots of anger. And he said, because you haven't dealt with this issue, you've allowed this demonic entity into your house. What are you going to do about it, Mr. Man? (coughs) Doors been open. So, Colossians 3, 12 to 14 says, Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another, if anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And Philippians says, and this I pray that your love, this is the last scripture, that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment. And you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offence till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. Listen, if somebody says something to you about somebody else, you need to say to them, go to that person and put it right. That's how you deal with offence. Because we still haven't got it and we still hear stories where people have not told that person, go speak to whoever it is and deal with it. That's the biblical way. If you need then to take, if, if they won't listen to you, take somebody else with you. Preferably in a church context, take a leader with you, one of the pastoral team. David or Irene or one of the pastoral team, Kev or Rosie, take someone with you and deal with it properly. Offended, hurt people hurt people. And if someone comes trying to place that hurt and offence on you, do not receive it 
point them in the direction of leadership to get it sorted. Or if they're talking about someone else, make sure you deal with it. Don't let it go. Hello? Yes. Because so many are ignorant of the Word of God. Read Proverbs, man. That will instruct you about our relationships and the importance of this thing here under our nose. This will either bring life or death. Literally. And we will receive the fruit of what comes out of here, either good or bad. I'll tell you. And we can have good that comes out of here. Kind words are like sweetness on the lips. Kind words, generous words, encouraging words. The opposite wants to destroy, it wants to pick out of the pack wants to isolate you, get you on their side to receive that offence and let you be vomited on. Do not receive it. Now, this morning, okay, we're going to deal with some offences. Yeah, that's what we do, don't we? Come on now, look at that. Okay, we've patched it up a bit there. We've got a bit of old sticking plaster. We're used to that pink stuff, aren't we? Cover it up a bit, see if we can... Try and get a bit of healing. See if something all happened underneath the surface. You know what? We've got to get it off. We've got to get it out. So we're going to do it. So shall we stand? Because we want to deal with anything today. So what we're going to do, this is how we're going to do it. We won't have any worship because everybody needs to be able to just ask Holy Spirit, okay? I don't want to put unnecessary pressure on the worship team because this, this is for all of us. All of us can get offended. All of us can place high expectations on others that we're never, ever going to meet. And what we wanted to be able to do right now is just release those things to God. We're going to give it to Holy Spirit. I'm going to ask him if there's anyone in spe- you know, specifically that we need to just release forgiveness to. If you know that that person knows that it's an issue, you can write to them, you can contact them. If you can, you can go and see them. If they don't know, it might be wisdom not even to mention it to them, but just to deal with God so that you don't make matters worse. But it's going to release you. It's going to let you out of the prison. It's going to make you feel a whole lot better because God wants to bless, but he cannot bless unforgiveness, resentment, bitterness. Holy Spirit. We just ask you right now, Holy Spirit, Just show us anyone, set of circumstances where we've been offended and maybe we've not dealt with it properly. Maybe we've gossiped, maybe we've sown discord. Holy Spirit, would you free us from that right now? If you know that you've spoken things, you've said things, that actually have not been part of a healing process, but actually it could potentially have caused more division. You just ask God to forgive you. Just get rid of that. We place such high expectation on ourselves as well. We make choices, we make decisions. I've made some decisions that I've regretted afterwards but it's been too late 
I've made unwise moves and then I hold myself in bondage because I've not released myself. I've not forgiven myself. The cross goes in four directions because sometimes we hold offence against God. Why didn't God come through? Why didn't God show me that I was making this mistake? Why didn't he stop that thing? There's ourselves and then there's others. Holy Spirit, we want to deal with it today. We want to lay a fence before the foot of the cross and we want to release it. We ask God today to forgive us where we've been a part of the problem and not the solution. We, I break off today resentment. I break off anger and the retribution. I break it off right now in Jesus' name. We just command that unforgiveness to be dealt with right now, to go as we have forgiven and release forgiveness. As we've forgiven ourselves, as we've forgiven you, God, as we've forgiven others, we just break allegiance with that unforgiveness and bitterness and resentment. We say it's got to go in Jesus' name. It cannot hang around us. We take off our rights to vengeance. We will not hold on to hurt any longer, to offence any longer. We release it. We just let it go, God. We let it go. We receive right now healing in our hearts. We say take off that plaster. Take off where we've tried to patch our little heart up or where we've pushed stuff down so far that it's, we're just, just full of this stuff, disappointments, hurts and pains. We let it go today for the sake of the future, for the sake of the body of Christ, for the sake of men and women out there who do not know where to turn, who are, who are thinking about suicide today because they cannot cope with the pain and the disappointments and the pressures that have come on them. God, for the sake of others, we just release it, let it go. We receive healing and wholeness today. Lord, those of us who have held positions of leadership where we've been hurt by others, whether it's been our fault or it's not been our fault, God, we release people today. We let those things go in Jesus' name. Those in business that have been cheated, those that have been scammed by people, God, we release forgiveness to those who've abused us, that have taken things that don't belong to them, that have, that have attacked our good name, that have said things about us that are not true, that have spread lies, that have spread malicious gossip about us, have twisted things. Lord, we get rid of those things right now. We say, let they be nullified. May the blood of Jesus cover those things right now. And Lord, we ask for that love of Jesus to well up within us. God, we ask for that overwhelming, agape love to fill every area of our hearts. That, Father, there be a new transaction within us that makes us look at people differently, that restores broken relationships and that give us a new, fresh honouring of one another and love for one another. 
that will make the difference. And Lord, we choose to put on humility and meekness. We choose, Lord, to clothe ourselves in your kindness and patience with one another. We choose, Lord, to let your grace flow through one another. We choose to let our brothers and sisters have another chance and another chance and another chance. We choose to think rightly, good things. Lord, we want to put on Christ today. Deliberately put on Christ. Lord, we want to give you the opportunity to help us guard our tongue and guard our thought life and to replace all that, Lord, that the enemy would want us to clothe ourselves in with the right things. Thank you for your meek spirit, Jesus, that you are willing to clothe us with if we want it. Lord, I want to be like you. I choose to be like you. So as we've asked you for forgiveness, Lord, and we've released forgiveness to others, Lord, in place, would you fill us afresh with your spirit today in all loveliness, in all loveliness. Let the beauty of Jesus be seen in us, Lord. Amen. Yes, and Lord, as well, we break allegiance with deception, the spirit of deception right now in Jesus' name. We bind it up in our lives. We cast it out. We say we will not partner with deception. Lord, give us that spiritual discernment and sight that we will not walk into this trap that where the enemy tries to bait us, where the enemy tries to provoke us. Lord, remind us today of what we've talked about. Remind us of these scriptures so that we can keep walking free and that we can be the answer to others' problems. Enable us, Father, to speak into others' lives and release healing and release wholeness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Hallelujah.